0: Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be here in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, and um, we're going to be wrapping up this uh, passage here uh, on spiritual gifts out of 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to have one more passage to look at, and that's going to be in Romans 12, which we'll look at over the next couple weeks, and uh, that'll deal with all, a lot of the serving gifts. We've been primarily talking about the speaking gifts uh, here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And uh, in chapter 14, Paul's been giving us a lot of the practical side of how the speaking gifts are supposed to be used. Uh, in the in the church service. And uh, if you can remember, um, spiritual gifts can be grouped into one or two categories. You either have speaking gifts, which we see here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, or the serving gifts. So God is either and can equip us with either or, um, or both uh, in, in a sense. And um, It's how we are supposed to be using them, and remember, if you can remember, the whole process, the whole reason for the gifts is for the edification of the church, that the church would be edified, and uh, that was the whole uh, purpose of that, and uh, so we've already kind of really dived into a lot of the stuff here out of uh, 1 Corinthians um, 12 and 14, primarily uh, with the uh, speaking in tongues, and then also... Uh, With prophecy. And um, Paul gave us some really good principles of how those things are supposed to be used. And in order for us to finish up this chapter on spiritual gifts, we're going to look at this section and this passage about women keeping silent in the churches. Now, some of the things we're going to talk about here, okay, I want to kind of dispel some of the the things that maybe you've heard in the past, okay? So if you see an oxygen mask drop down from the ceiling, Okay, as we're talking about this, don't worry, it's okay, you can, it's fine, right? Um, But I want to help you with uh, what Paul is talking about here in the context of this. Now, there are some things in Scripture that are hard to grasp and understand, okay? Um, So, what I'm going to give you here this morning, okay, I, I believe this is what I believe Paul is talking about here in the context of of what he's saying here, all right? but I don't want to be so dogmatic and say, This is it, this is it, right um, because I believe there are some things that are hard to grasp and and hard to. Uh, interpret and, and try to really understand what uh, what Paul was talking about, and you'll, you'll find, if you ever study this out for yourself, there are lots of different ways that people look at this, and uh, so I just want to be as faithful as I can to the text and allow the text to speak and uh, for us to kind of work our way through it, and uh, so here's what I want you to take away with you today. Women, keep your mouth shut. No, that's not it. Um, <laughs> Okay? No. (laughs) Here comes the oxygen mask, right? (laughs) No. Here's what I want to take away with you today Women can and should take part in the worship service in their God given role. Okay? Women can and should take part in the worship service in their God given role. All right? Now, kind of catch us back up here. We're going to kind of briefly review to make sure we're all in the context of what Paul's talking about, and uh, we'll work our way through uh, the things here. So here's our text here for this morning. 1 Corinthians uh, 14, and we're going to begin reading in verse 31. We're going to read all the way through verse number 40. Paul says, "...for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets." For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. as in all the churches of the saints. For their, uh, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones that is reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So, as we looked at last week, um, some of the things that we've, we've kind of talked about here, um, we talked about how everybody was participating in the uh, worship service, and I believe women can and should participate in the worship service through prayer and prophecy. I think that's pretty clear and evident uh, in, in Scripture, as uh, what uh, Paul talks about. Uh, some of the things that we covered, uh, we looked about how prophecy is connected with building up encouragement encouragement and comfort. Uh, we saw that in verse number three. Uh, we also saw that prophecy is for our maturity, verse number four, right? It's, it's so that there's this building up, right? That the, the whole body is built up. And so prophecy does that. It's, it's for our maturity. We also looked at the fact that Paul desires that all will prophesy, not just all men or all males. So women can and should prophesy. They should take place. Uh, in this uh, whole matter of the church service uh, when there is uh, prophecy. Chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians uh, it tells us that women can pray and prophesy in the public church meetings. Uh, my wife and I, we were talking about this um, just this morning, and you know it's interesting the kind of backgrounds that maybe you come from or that you grow up in, traditions that you're so used to. Sometimes you just think, well, this is the only way that things can be done or should be done. Um, and then you kind of start reading Scripture. You start reading the Bible for what it is. You remove those blinders, and you see, well, this is what Scripture actually says. And I I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a it's a great thing, especially here in this local church, uh, that we do have women that participate, right? Like Carrie, she was pre- uh, praying here this morning. I thought that was awesome, right? Right. Um, and, in fact, even, I think it was a couple weeks ago, um, one of the, the men here at the church, he, he came up and he said, hey, we need we need some help with uh, some people helping passing out communion. And uh, his wife asked about women helping passing out communion. And I was like, well, yeah, that, they can help, right? I mean, is there anything in Scripture that says that a woman can't help pass out communion? No, right? So... I think sometimes we, we are so bound by our traditions and backgrounds that we we tend to like overlook exactly what Scripture says and what Scripture teaches. And so Scripture here teaches that women can pray, women can prophesy in the church meeting. Not just all males, right? It's everybody's taking place uh, in that. Um, we also see that prophecy is connected with instruction. Paul had instruction on his mind, verse number 19, and uh, prophecy brings about instruction uh, with the church body there. Uh, then we looked at that big question, right? If women prophesy, is that teaching a man? No, prophecy is not teaching. And I gave you a whole list of the reason and the differences between prophecy and teaching, scriptural list there. i um, not going to go through them. If you want them, you can uh, refer back to uh, our previous message uh, on the principles uh, for worship, part number three, and kind of went through all those reasons about the difference between prophecy uh, and teaching. And so as we looked at last week, you know, um, God's word is, is pretty clear here that women can participate, women can, can take place uh, in the church worship service, right? And they should, because we're all part of a body uh, together. And so we have to think about uh, these things, about what does God's Word teach about them. And uh, I think Scripture's uh, pretty clear on that. Uh, we, we gave a couple reasons here that of recognizing uh, the difference between teaching and prophecy. Uh, If a message is a result of reflecting on the text of Scripture, containing interpretation, application to life, then it is teaching or preaching. But if a message is the report of something that God brings suddenly to mind, then it is a prophecy. And uh, we gave that definition about what prophecy actually was, Um, you know, God bringing those things to our mind. I, I think we see it in our church services happen, but we just don't recognize it as being prophecy. Um, So I think God uses those things uh, within the church service. Uh, Then looked at secondly here about uh, God gave principles of when to be silent. Those who prophesy were subject to certain requirements. Uh, You see this in verses 29 through 33. God has requirements of how the church service is supposed to be uh, conducted, how it's supposed to be done. It's not a free-for-all, right? Um, God has certain requirements so that there's order there right? There's not confusion. There has to be order. That way, everybody can participate. Everybody can be instructed. Everybody can be edified. Everybody can be built up, right? That's the whole uh, purpose of that. And so we saw that clearly stated for those who spoke in tongues without interpreter, right? Uh, They're to remain quiet, right? If there's no interpreter, they remain quiet. Um, Those uh, for the prophets, uh, those that were uh, prophesying Only two at the most three prophets were to speak You see that verse 29 Uh, The prophets are to be subject to the prophets And what was being said was to be weighed or judged by the others Verse number 29 uh, when someone is giving a prophecy, if another in the meeting had a prophecy while sitting there, then the one giving the initial prophecy was to remain silent. He was supposed to yield, or she was supposed to yield the floor, basically, uh, to the other person and allow that other person to speak. And so God was pretty clear here about uh, you know these principles of how the, the church meeting is supposed to be conducted. And so there's no doubt that prophecy uh, in the context of Paul's... Uh, Discussion here, right? Like this is this is what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, prophecy. So, keeping in with that context, we come to this other principle that Paul gives in relation to the worship gatherings of the church. And so, we find here a specific principle now for women in the church, which is verses thirty-three through thirty-five. So, he's talking about prophecy, and he's continuing, I believe, his thoughts. Keeping in that all in context of now women, a specific principle for women in the church. And so here's the text again. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission. As the law also says if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman. To speak in church. Now, these verses here have sparked quite a controversy and heated debates amongst people. Uh, But we must remember that although the Bible's teaching on subjects like this sometimes may be controversial, it is never contradictory. So, in other words, you have places that are clearly taught in Scripture that says that women are praying in the church. They are prophesying in the church, but then he gives a principle here. So, is that contradictory? No. It may be controversial, what we're talking about, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, in our Western culture today, uh, we see these types of things and we're like, this is not fair, right? This is not right. But remember, although God's word might be controversial, it is never contradictory. And God is always, always very clear on what he's talking about. So we're going to have to understand what Paul is meaning by this. And so I want to seek to answer two questions. What does this mean for women to keep silent in the church? And why did Paul say this? Why did he he feel he needed to write this down here uh, as he was inspired to uh, through the Holy Spirit? So let's look at a a few things here. Are women really not allowed to speak in the church meeting? Are they really not allowed to speak in the church meeting? What does Paul mean by women keeping silent in the churches? Does Paul really mean to say that women must never say anything in a worship service? I don't think so. Uh, In order to answer that question, we need to understand some of the views that people hold to Okay, with some of this stuff. Uh, First of all, some people view this as saying women are not allowed to say a word, right? You come in, you sit down, you listen, you don't participate at all, uh, you never get a chance to to speak at all, right? Like this this is it. Uh, Some people view it that way. The problem with this view is it goes against the women's involvement in the worship service and praying and prophesying. And so if total silence is what this means, Paul would really be contradicting himself, right? Because even in 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about women praying and them prophesying and taking place in the worship service. Women prophesying in the assembly was and is what the Apostle Peter said was going to be a characteristic of the new covenant gift of the Spirit predicted in Joel uh, 2. Uh, This was given us in Acts chapter 2, 17. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So who's going to be prophesying? Sons and daughters. Some people also believe, think that Paul was being a chauvinistic pig here, and only going along with the culture of the day that disregarded women. The problem with that view is that Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. And so if you're saying that Paul was being a chauvinistic pig, and he was going along with the culture, then you're saying, okay, he's being inspired by the Spirit of God, and he's pinning these words, that means that He was inspired to write them, and that means that God is a chauvinistic pig? Well, last time I checked in Scripture, God values women, right? I mean, (laughs) he created them. Uh, We don't see God devaluing women. We don't see God putting women down, right? Um, So we can't say that Paul was being a chauvinistic pig in all of that. God values women. God has given them specific roles. Paul believed that both men and women could participate in the worship service as they operated in their God-given roles. And so if Paul is not contradicting himself and Scripture supports women as being allowed to participate in the worship service and Paul's not being a chauvinistic pig here, then really... What is Paul talking about? What is he saying? What's the problem? Why does Paul still state that women are to remain silent in the churches? We must understand that God has given certain roles for men and certain roles for women. Now, let me give you two views about the way people see women's roles in marriage, family, and in the church that uh, people hold to. Maybe you've heard these... uh, these words before. You can't find these words in Scripture, okay? But it's a way for us to describe the way that uh, Scripture explains these things. Scripture, I believe, supports a complementarian view of the roles of men and women in marriage, family, and in the church, not an egalitarian view. And I believe this is all clearly laid out for us. Uh, You see it in Genesis 1-2, 1 Corinthians 11, Ephesians 5, 1 Timothy 2, Titus 2, and 1 Peter 3. You see the distinct roles that God gives men and women, and they're complementary towards each other. Complementarianism is the belief that men and women are created equal in their being. Value and personhood but they have different and complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, and religious leadership. So God created both male and female, and they are unique. Not one is more important than the other. They have value. But God says, I've created them for certain roles. The other view is egalitarianism. This is the belief that holds that men and women are created equal in their being, value, and personhood, but egalitarianism diverges from complementarianism by teaching that there are no unique roles for men in the home and in the church. And so I believe Paul is being very consistent here in his teaching about women's roles in the church as he has been before. We see that in this text, as he says, in all the churches, right? He's saying, as in all the churches, right? Like, this is the way it's supposed to work. So he's not being unique here to Corinth. He's just, he's just basically stating, hey, this is a known way that this is how it's supposed to work that men and women, yes, while participating together in the church service, they have different roles that they should be filling. And so this is just not unique here to this church at Corinth. So since Scripture supports different and unique roles of men and women, what exactly is going on here in this passage? Well, let's look at a couple things here. What does Paul mean by women keeping silent in the churches? context is so important, If we were to just lift these verses out and say, oh, women are to keep silent in the churches, well, then you can see how somebody could hold to a view and say, all right, woman, sit down, shut up, right? No, that's not what Paul's saying here, right? We got to keep it within its context of what he's talking about. Now, it's interesting to take note of the way God set this up, Okay? Context is important. Paul is commanding the women to keep silent in a certain setting during these judgment of prophecies where authority would be exercised over the congregation. Now, remember what Paul said in verses 29 and 32, right? Like what he was talking there about this weighing of the prophecies, right? The judgment of the prophecies, Okay, And so the way that God set this up is... If you have a tongue, right, like he, he gave certain things. He says, if you have a tongue, right, there's going to be certain restrictions for that, right? You have to have an interpreter. You can't just say whatever you want to say. There has to be an interpreter. If you have a prophecy, right, he's, giving, he's putting a restriction on it now. He's saying if you have a prophecy, there's going to have a judgment of that prophecy. There's going to be a weighing of the prophecy. There has to be, right? So this is not a free pass to just say whatever you want to say. Um, it's, It's not just this thing of saying, well, I have to say this because I'm just so overcome with the Spirit of God. And I have to say it. And then there's no accountability as to what has just been said. And we have to be careful here because we are all called to test every spirit. We're called to do that test everything. This is why I say over and over and over. It doesn't matter if they use the words God, gospel, Jesus, church, whatever, right? You have to test it. You have to weigh it according to scripture. And I believe this is where people get duped. I believe this is where people get sidetracked and and led astray into all kinds of weird stuff. Because you have a person who gets up and they just start spouting off stuff, or they use emotionalism to draw you in, right? Maybe they get up and they start crying. You know, or they say loaded words. They they say, you know, I was going to say this, but then the Spirit of God just came over me. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we got to listen to exactly what they're saying. Because, wait a minute. We need to test and evaluate what is being said. Okay, we have to test every spirit. Okay? So we've got to be very careful there. And so if people are saying things, you know, the spirit told me, the spirit is moving me, or they use emotionalism to say what they want, and I think sometimes uh, people can be deceived. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that gets up and says, the spirit told me, or the spirit is moving me, or they're crying. I'm not saying that they're trying to deceive people, but don't... Just take that in hook, line, and sinker, right? Test everything. You have to in order so that way you're not deceived. So Paul gives these restrictions here uh, with these things. So you've got to make sure that we're following what Paul has to say. So although women are participating in this meeting... They are not to make an authoritative judgment on the prophecy for the church congregation in the context of the church meeting. So I believe when it comes down to this, this judgment of the prophecies, although women are participating in the meeting, they're not to make this authoritative judgment, okay? And in a sense, exercising authority over the entire church congregation. Because you remember what he says here, he says, Let the others weigh it, right? So I believe we're all participating, okay? We're all participating. But then I don't think God establishes this mob rule, okay? I don't believe it's like, okay, we're going to take a vote, okay? What has God done to make sure that there is order within the church? What has he established? Elders. So although we're all participating, although we're taking part in this weighing, and this judging, who has the final say-so in that judgment? The elders do. Why? Because they're supposed to know this stuff, right? They're supposed to be able to lead and guide and direct the congregation. And so it's very important uh, with that. It's interesting to note that the apostles didn't appoint prophets or other apostles in every church. Did you know that? Listen to what Acts 14.23 says. It says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Paul told Titus in Titus 1.5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. He didn't go around saying, hey, you need to appoint other prophets or other apostles. He says appoint elders in every church. One of the elders' jobs was to preserve proper doctrine and confront mistakes and false claims. 1 Timothy 3.2 says that the elders must be able to teach. Elders must not have only this general ability to teach, but they must have a very good and accurate knowledge of biblical doctrine. It'd be kind of like me saying, hey, uh, I'm going to teach math. Now, I might be able to teach, but in order for me to teach math, I'm going to have to have a good and general understanding of the certain kind of math that I'm going to teach. I mean, if I, if I say, well, I can teach, that doesn't mean that I can teach algebra. You don't want me teaching you algebra. Okay? But you've got to have that, that general good understanding of Bible doctrine. So elders, they're supposed to be able to teach, but they should have a good working understanding of biblical doctrine so that a way they can confront and refute and rebuke those who contradict sound teaching. And so elders are called to do that. Paul describes this part of the elder role in Titus 1.9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so to rebuke those who contradict, I believe that in the context of the church meeting here, when others were weighing and judging a prophecy, if others in the congregation are saying things that go against sound doctrine... And the elders have an obligation to rebuke those in the church meeting that are saying those things that go contrary to sound doctrine. And that is what was not happening here in the church at Corinth. I believe people were, just felt that they had a free pass to just say whatever they wanted. And that's why Paul says, okay, here's what you got to do. This is how it needs to work. This, these are the restrictions here. And I believe also, I believe because of the context here, it seems to suggest that Possibly the women in this church were stepping over their God given role and they were stepping into another role of exercising authority in the church service. And so Paul's like, no, this is not the God given roles. These are not the way that things were supposed to be happening. Paul gave his final farewell words to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 2, verses 28 through 31. It's interesting, why didn't Paul call the prophets to himself? Why didn't he call for all the prophets in the church and say, hey guys, come on, come on up here, hey, we we need to have a talk. No, he called the elders, right? He says, you guys are going to have to make sure that you're keeping order uh, within the church. And so although the congregation is taking part in this weighing of the prophecy, it is the elders' job to speak authoritatively what people are saying to the congregation and to test it against proper teaching. And so within the context to limit authority in the church, Paul, fo- Paul follows and, pers- and preserves God's ordained order for men and women in the church and excludes women as giving authority in the church. Now, one might ask the question then of, what about a woman then who has the gift of discernment, to discern spirits? Right. I mean, clearly that's... That's a gift that we see in 1 Corinthians 12.10. And I would say, if the ability to distinguish between spirits is part of the judgment of prophecy, are you saying, Mike, that women don't get to take part in discerning the spirits? No, I'm not saying that. I'm only saying that they don't exercise that gift in a way that takes authority over the congregation. That's why it's so important that we maintain order, right, within the church. I believe that they still need to exercise it for themselves, for their kids, or it can be done in a host of many other ways, right? Um, But it's important of of how it's being used uh, within the church. You know, women can and are gifted in many ways. A woman may be gifted in leadership or having a, a very good Bible knowledge, Uh, Sad to say, but there are some women who are more biblically grounded and Bible-based than their husbands are. There are some women that are very good public speakers, but does that mean that they are then to step in the role of taking authority within the church? No. Because God has placed certain roles and responsibilities within the church. So it's important that we understand that. Why can't a woman then ask questions? Because look at verse number 35. Look what he says here. 1 Corinthians 14, 35. He says, If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church why the questions here are are we saying women can't ask questions in the church meeting no i don't think so uh if if you know i mean we've uh we've even had opportunities where maybe after we've taught on something for a little bit we've given opportunities for people to ask questions is that is that what paul is referencing here they can't even ask a question no again remember look at the context right I believe it's all talking about exercising authority over the congregation when it comes to this judgment of the prophecies. And so I think what Paul here, what he's talking about, is the fact that it comes down to the authority of what is being said over the congregation. Sometimes I believe that... You can ask a question in a way to try to persuade people to your point of view. And I think that's what Paul is is trying to get at here, right? Um, So it's important that uh, with the questions, right, that there needs to be the right types of roles being observed. And basically, he says here, right, like, hey, um, if there's a question, you need to ask your husband at home. And so I believe that God is not against women learning, nor women restricted to learning. Uh, <laughs> the, the church uh, uh, background that we came from, uh, we knew this guy one time who was a, an assistant pastor, and um, he, had, he had girls, and he had, had some, uh, some boys in his family, but he actually thought that women were more stupid than men and basically he's like oh the girls don't need to go to school they don't need to learn anything because you know they're they're stupid well where did he get that from right probably from stuff like this right he's probably taking things out of context and so God is not against women learning God's not against women having knowledge or understanding things here um You see that phrase there, ask your husbands at home? I think sometimes people find that to be very condescending and insulting. However, what God's Word teaches here is actually preserves the right for the woman to still pursue her questions and concerns outside a role that pushes into the function of an elder. So if she has questions about the judgment of why, this was done, and why it's not this, right? She can pursue those questions uh, there with her husband. Uh, She can't be told that information, that knowledge, really isn't for you. So women can pursue knowledge, and she can pursue her questions, just not in a way that infringes on to an elder-like role Uh, that is best suited outside the church meeting at home. Uh, another thing that I think about this whole thing with the with the questions, because um, I believe, you know, and, and this is where I say, husbands, you need to be spiritual men. You need to be spiritual leaders in your home. Um, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily healthy for the women in the church to always be running to the other elders and asking them questions. You have a husband. And your husband needs to be leading you, okay? Um, And so I think that that's real important. So again, men in the church, right? If you have a wife, you need to be spiritually leading your wife. Uh, Don't just say, oh, well, the elders will do it. Like, just don't kick it into neutral and say, oh, I'm gonna just kind of let it do whatever it wants to do. And No, lead, lead your family, right? So if your wife has a question, right? Don't just be like, oh, I don't know. Search it out. Find out. Find out what it is, right? Um, There's been times that my wife and I, we've had discussions and she may have asked a question that has really been kind of, uh, kind of got my feathers ruffled a little bit because it was challenging my ideas, challenging what I believe. Um, But it's important to have those conversations and to talk about them. So it's important for that. And so I think Paul's teaching on this very Uh, on this whole subject is very consistent with other scriptures we find when it comes to women having roles in ministry. You find women can pray and prophesy in public, 1 Corinthians 11, but they need to do so while observing proper gender roles related to authority. Women can serve in ministry and engage in the gifts, but are not to be in the elder role is what we see First 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. Women are equal in status as heirs of Christ, but still different in marriage roles. You see that clearly in Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, 1 Corinthians 11. And in here in 1 Corinthians 14... Women can speak in tongues and prophesy, but when it comes time to exercise authority in the congregation, right, uh, they are to keep silent. And it's not what they are unable to, it's not that they're unable to discern things, it's about maintaining these gender roles within the church. So let's wrap this up, okay? Paul has one last item that is worthy of commenting on. Look at verse number 36. Look what he says here. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Are you the only ones that it has reached? Um, Why does he ask this question? Well, if you remember verse 33, for God is not the God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, right? Like, do this? Um, You know, he gives these instructions on how things are to be done in all the churches. Corinth, you're not special. And I believe these guys really thought they were special. I think they were the ones going like, oh, brother... If you come to our church, the spirit of God really moves there, you know. And then it's just total chaos and craziness, right? You know, um, we don't have the spirit of religion at our church, you know. <laughs> okay, whatever. Okay, no, no. I, I mean, the, the, they thought that they were special. And he's saying, "Are you guys the only ones thinking that you that you're special here? Are you the mavericks?" No, he says, in all the churches, right. I teach the exact same thing in all the churches. And so you need to get on board, Corinth, right? You're not special with all of this stuff. Verse 37 through 38, he says, if anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things that I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. And so if you've got a problem with this, take it up with who? The Lord. That's it, Right? he's saying, if you, if you don't recognize that, we're not going to recognize you as being some super spiritual whatever. Um, he says, you need to follow what, what scripture says here. You know, in our culture today, radical feminism has devalued and demonized gender roles. You know, we hear this kind of teaching and we immediately cry out, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. But we must remember that this is how God orders the church, and it is for his glory and our good. We don't get to choose to have an opinion on the rules that God sets up. Remember, we are the what? Creation. He's the creator. And so if we love Jesus, and we want to follow Jesus, and we want to obey Jesus, then we obey what Scripture says and teaches. And God shows us that the roles have value and purpose. Verses 39 through 40, Paul says, So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and, and in order. So Paul doesn't forbid women from praying and prophesying in the church worship service. On the contrary, he wishes for them to do it. He wants them to do it. He wants everybody to take part uh, in that. But he wants to for it to be done in a way that honors the gender roles that God has set up in the church. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.